Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, I came across a very important date this week. It's April 23rd, 2046. That is my death date. You may wonder, how do I know that? The internet. <laughs> there is actually a website called death date, or deathclock.com. Um, actually, there's a number of these out there. There's about four or five of them. And what you can do is uh, you log on and uh, you give the day you were born. Um, is there a history of you know, heart problems in your family? You know, are you a smoker, non-smoker? Uh, how much vegetables you eat? You know, fill out this whole thing and then you hit the uh, calculate button and it comes up with your death date. Um, actually, I went to four different sites and got four different dates. This was the long furthest away, so this is the one I'm going with, all right? Um, which means I have 35 years and six months left to live, which is 12,965 days. 12,965 little squares on the calendar. As I've been thinking about this whole series, and particularly this message this morning, I'm thinking, how am I going to fill all of those squares? And in fact, I started thinking a little bit more seriously about this, um, and, and actually, I started asking people this question. If you knew you had 30 days left to live, full health, you know, but just 30 days left to live, how would you live differently? How would you rearrange your schedules, your priorities? What would you do differently if you knew you had 30 days left to live? And this really, really struck home this week because Thursday morning I heard of a friend of ours who suddenly passed away. Unexpectedly. Never would have known. Just saw her last week. And Thursday morning I got a phone call. She had passed away. My age. Coached her daughter in soccer. We began to think... If I had 30 days left to live, what would I do differently? Psalm 39. David wrote these words, verses 4 and 5. Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeing is my life. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span, the span of my years is nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. And then actually Psalm 90, a few pages on. He writes these words. In fact, I put them up on the screen. They're on your notes. I would like us to make this our prayer together this morning. And, and maybe take this home and pray this prayer at the beginning of each day this week. It's simply this. Psalm 90, verse 12. Would you say it out loud with me? Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us, Lord, because our life is so short and so fleeting. It's but a breath. Teach us to fill those squares rightly. Teach us to live aright so we would live with wisdom because our life is short and we have no idea. It would be nice to know, maybe, <laughs> but we really don't. And most of us think, oh, we got all kinds of time. But we don't know. 
And in fact, what happens is because we don't live in the light of eternity, which is what we're going to be talking about this morning, because that's what this whole series has really been about. It's not just been about knowing more about heaven, knowing more about hell, what happens when I die. It's really about, so knowing all of that, how do I live my life differently now? Because our lives get so filled up with the stuff that's really not all that important. Illustrate it for you this way. Let's say this jar holds the sands of time of my life or your life. And this is all we got. And we spend that with all kinds of different things. For instance, we know we will spend at least a third of our life at work. Oh, and then there's the commute. And, you know, maybe another third of our life asleep or not. Well, let's say you get your eight hours sleep. And then, of course, there's just like the regular routines of the day. So, you know, you got to take a shower and brush your teeth and floss. And, of course, then you've also got your household chores because there's things that need to be done around the house and you've got certain assignments. So, so you spend a good part of your time doing those kinds of things. And, and your kids, they're involved in Little League and soccer and karate and music lessons. And you're going to all those games and driving the taxi all around town. And then, of course, there's their homework as well. And above everything else, you want to have a little bit of me time. And before you know it, it's gone. The sands of time have run through. And that's all it is. And you begin, as you get towards the end, you think, there's so many more important things that I should have given my time to. There's other things that I wish I had put in the place of all this little stuff. Colossians chapter 3. Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian church. And he said, this is how to live in the light of eternity. He says these words. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, Rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, 
kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts toward God. He said, these are the things to live for. These, this is how to live in light of eternity. The trouble is we spend so much of our life filling it up with the little things that do not matter. And we know better. We know better. We know there are some things that are bigger, that are more important, that we ought to fit in. But our time is so filled up with all this other stuff that I know I should do these things, but I just don't have the time. One of the things we know is we really need to spend more time with God. So I'm going to put a G on this tennis ball. You say, well, I know I need to make time for God. I don't have much time, but I'm going to make some. That's one of the things Paul says. He says, a living in light, of, in light of eternity, he said, spend more time alone with God. This life is preparation for the next. And as Christ followers, he says, your life in Christ has already begun. Your eternity has already begun. So he says, set your mind on things above. Reorient yourself. Get your brain thinking in a different direction. Not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ In God, set your mind on things above. Set your heart on things above, he says. Truthfully, my heart and my mind are mostly set right here and now. There's too much of that old life still hanging around. There are things in my life that I would hope would change before I die. He talks about some of these kinds of things that to some degree or another I think are in every one of our lives. Lust, greed, anger, slander, lying. To some degree, all those things are in our lives. And he says, we've been given a new life, so reorient your life around that. He says, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and in the image of its creator, there is a new life given to you. So spend this life changing wardrobe. <laughs> changing the way you're doing life. Because this life is about the next. And some of these habits and attitudes that I still carry with me, I would hope would be changed by my life in Christ while I'm still here on this earth. In preparation for eternity. I would hope and I would pray that my prayers would become a little less, little less selfish and a little more God-honoring. That I would learn to spend time quietly in His presence without all the other distractions going on. And that I would leave this life better prepared for the next. And that means, that means making time for Him right now. A number of years ago, the 
you know, the whole what would Jesus do thing, you know, and the, the bracelets all came out and everybody's wearing WWJD. Problem is, nobody knows really what Jesus would do. I got the bracelet. I have no idea because most of us spend very little time getting to know him. We spend very little time discovering his character, learning his life and his ways, following after him. We say we are Christ's followers, but we spend, if truth be told, in our time, very little time nurturing that relationship. Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you Richly, not barely, richly. And yes, we put an emphasis around here on teaching from God's word. We believe the authority of scripture, that it's, it's what we need for life and practice. And so we teach that. But a half hour or so, one day a week, is not going to do it. You need to be reading scripture for yourself. You need to be reading the life of Jesus. Start with the gospels. Be reading, who was he? What did he do? How did he live? How should I live my life differently? It's why we've built our community groups all around study of Scripture. And if you're not a part of a community group, let me encourage you to get in with those. Because during the week, we meet in smaller groups in homes. And and we study the passages that we've gone over together on a Sunday morning. But it's a chance to dig deeper and wrestle with some of these passages that we just don't have time for on a Sunday morning. And if you're not even a part of a community group, you can at least go online. The questions are there. Download them and do your own self-study. But the whole idea is this. This is important. This is about eternity. So spend the time on this earth wisely preparing for that life to come. Next thing I think I would do is I would give more time to relationships. So I'm going to put an R on this tennis ball. It's my relationships with my family, with my friends, with the people around me. When, we, when I've been asking this whole question, um, it, it's about paying more attention to relationships. When I've been asking people these questions, because um, it's kind of been kind of fascinating. Actually, I put it up on my, my Facebook page just to see what people will respond. If you had 30 days to live, what would you do differently? And one of the top things, the top answers that I got from people I interviewed or people that you know, responded on Facebook... They said, I would spend more time with my family. I would spend more time with my friends. I had one person said, I would spend every one of those 30 days with each of my friends with an eight-hour conversation just talking about life. Because I have so many conversations and I don't really know these people. Relationships, people matter most. And they are one of the first things that suffer when our lives are filled with hurry. You read the life of Jesus and you find he was so aware of the people around him. He was fully engaged with those he came in contact with. There was an occasion where he is working his way through a crowd and there's just tons of people just kind of pressing in on him, wanting to get to him, wanting to talk with him. And there's a woman who it was on the outskirts of this whole mob kind of thing, and, and she's, she's ill. She needs healing. She's, and she's thinking to herself, if I can just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. And she works her way through the crowd, down through the bottom, under the feet, and reaches out and grabs the hem of his robe. And she's healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? And his disciples said, Lord, 
There's like hundreds of people pushing around all over you, you know? Who do you mean who touched you? He said, I felt the power of God go through me. On another, other occasions, he would invite children to come with him. And parents would bring their children for him to bless them. And when they would bring their children, the disciples would say, he's too busy for you. He's too busy for your kids. Take your kids somewhere else. We got more important things to do, more, people, more important people to talk to. And Jesus stopped them. He said, listen, let the children come to me. For this is the kingdom of heaven. And he would regularly, regularly, we're told in Scripture, withdraw from the crowds with just his 12 and spend time with them. Jesus was so fully aware and fully engaged with people. And the only way you can do that is with time. Relationships take time. They thrive and they grow in time. When we, when our, we were younger, our kids were little, um, like newborns, toddlers, and, and people would say things like, oh, they grow up so fast, you know, and when they were that age, it was like, well, not fast enough, you know? And now I'm a grandparent, and I say really stupid things like, they grow up so fast. <laughs> Time goes by so quickly. Relationships take that kind of time, and attention. Paul wrote, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now let me ask you in that list, which of those can you cultivate quickly? None of them. They take time. And he says relationships are vital. Make time for relationships. Cultivate relationships. And in fact, he says, repair any broken relationships as well. And I would not want to leave this life with leftover resentment or animosity or anger or some misunderstanding or hurt that I have caused that I didn't rectify. He says, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Do not leave any unfinished business because life is too short. I remember shortly after September 11th, 2001, um, how, how it just kind of, it struck me and, and hit me so much that it, it seemed like every telephone conversation I had with my kids, with because they were down in Southern California at the time, uh, with my parents, with friends, any, any conversation, I always ended the conversation with, I love you. Because... If that was the last conversation I ever had with them, I would want them to know that one thing. Giving, paying more attention to relationships. I think there's another one he talks about. It's another G. And that stands for generosity. I would give more generously of my resources. One of the other big answers that I got as I was asking people this question, if you only had 30 days to live, what would you do? Another really, really big one was I would quit my job. I would quit my job and I would start giving stuff away. Because it is amazing the change that happens when you begin to realize you really cannot take it with you. All of a sudden, you realize 
all this stuff that you're amassing, all the stuff you're spending all your time and all your money on, you're going to leave it every bit of it behind. If you knew you only had 30 days to live, you probably would not go out and buy that big screen, flat, flat panel TV. Or maybe you would and leave somebody else to pay for it. I don't know. But the chances are you wouldn't because it really doesn't matter anymore. All of a sudden, my financial picture changes. Jesus talked about this. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where things fall apart, or where thieves break in and steal that you can't safeguard. Store up for yourselves, he says, treasures in heaven. Now, he's not saying it's evil to have things. He's just saying it's dumb. It's dumb to put all of your energy and effort and resources into the stuff that will not last. It's just dumb. He says, invest in the things that last. Let me ask you, how much of your time and your money gets spent on your car? Repairing it. Insurance on it. Gas, oil, lube, maintenance. Buying it. Making the payments. How much money do we spend on something that in a couple of years we're going to get tired of and want another one? Or our home. How much time and money and effort do we put into our homes? Now, I'm not advocating, you know, just let your home fall apart, okay? But I began to realize this this summer. Um, I began to realize, I, I, I noticed up on the eaves of the roof, um, on the front part of our house, that, that the paint was kind of chipping and peeling. So I thought, oh, okay, well, I, I should go up there and, and touch up the paint, scrape down. So I got up there and I got the scraper and I started scraping paint, you know, peeling paint, and chunks of wood came off. Uh, this is not good. So now all of a sudden it's not a paint job. Now I got to replace the wood. I got to replace the eaves. So I think, okay, well, I got to start doing that. So I, I go down, order at the lumber yard, have them delivered. Now I got the wood. So I go up there. And to do this, I got to take, um, because the tiles of our house kind of overlap over the eaves. And so I got to take the tiles off. Okay. But the problem is they're concrete tile roof. It's a concrete tile roof. So as I carefully as I am trying to remove the shingles here without breaking them, I start breaking concrete tiles. So now it's not a paint job, and it's not just replacing some wood. Now I've got broken tiles I've got to fix. And on and on and on it goes. One thing keeps leading to the other. By the way, I did finish the job, okay? But, <laughs> but I thought, you know, how much of my time and energy do I spend on stuff that does not last? How much of my money goes to things that will not take with me? And I know that. I know that in my head. <laughs> I know better. I just can't convince my heart. <laughs> I know that my default is selfishness and materialism and stuff. I know it is. And as much as I would not like it to be that way, it is. That's just my default. And I've got to go about changing my heart. I've got to start convincing my heart. And Jesus said, this is how you do that. You start storing up for yourself treasure in heaven. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you make your investment, that's where your heart's going to go. You want to change your heart. He says, start investing in eternity. You want to change the materialistic grip on your life? Start investing in eternity. And not just money, your time, your effort, your energy. He says, put it into stuff that matters. 
and this really came home to me. Um, a month ago, um, our son and daughter-in-law made a move to Italy to go to school. And it's going to be a three-year program. And, and so what they started doing, this whole, once they made the decision, they spent the last eight months selling off all of their worldly possessions. There are six boxes in my garage. It is the, all the worldly possessions of my son and daughter-in-law. They got it down to six boxes. Because they thought it's ridiculous to rent storage space for stuff for three years that, you know, why don't we just sell it? So they sold both of their, their car, their truck, their furniture. They sold everything. Why? Because they're not living here anymore. They're going to live in Italy. So why would I keep putting, getting stuff here when this isn't where I'm going to live? I'm not living here anymore. I'm living over there. And that's the principle. Why would I keep buying stuff when this is not my home? Why don't I invest in what lasts? And the last one, I'm going to use an M. Which stands for my mission. The reason God put me here on this earth. I would commit more fully to my mission. Because I would want to finish well. I want to come to the end of my life. And hear the words of Jesus. Well done. Well done. Because like I said before. This series is not just about knowing about life to come. It's about how you live your life now. And all these things that we know are important and we say, yeah, we ought to give some time to them. We try to squeeze them in, but they don't fit because we filled the life up with all the other stuff, the little stuff, the stuff that shouldn't matter. And our life here is simply preparation for the next. And I believe that every one of us in this room have a mission, have a calling, have a purpose in this world. If that were not so, when you became a Christian, why didn't God just take you back up to heaven now, you know? And I know a lot of Christians, by the way, who are living on the get saved and hang on till you die plan, okay? But that's not what God intended. He has given you gifts and abilities and talents to use for his kingdom. He has placed you on this earth and left you on this earth because you have something to accomplish for the kingdom of God. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why? So you would have more information? No. Let it dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. He says, grow these things in your life so that you can be a help and a benefit to people around you. So that you can minister to them. Because that's how it works. We care for and we minister to each other. We teach one another. We admonish. We correct. We challenge. We stretch. We grow together. And every one of us has a part in that. Paul wrote to a young pastor named Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God. Don't let it die out. Don't let it just burn out. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. I think if I knew I only had 30 days, I would be much more bold. I think because I would have, one, I would have a bigger platform. <laughs> if people knew I only had 30 days, maybe they'd listen to me more. I don't know. But also, the other part of it is, I wouldn't care so much how people reacted to my sharing with them. Doesn't matter to me what you think about me. Doesn't matter to me anymore. 
how you might treat me because of this. Because this is more important. And I know where my eternity is. And I don't want to leave this life having not told you. See, if God created me, God created you for a purpose, which I firmly believe, then I think I would want us to spend our last 30 days finishing the race, completing the task. How much of God's work in this world gets left undone simply because we're too busy? Oh, yeah, I... I, I would love to help. I would love to help. But I, it doesn't fit my schedule. I, I'm just too busy. i got so much else going on. Maybe, maybe when things settle down, then I can volunteer. Then I can get involved. Then I can minister. Then I can share. But you know what? The jar just keeps, keeps getting filled up with rice. <laughs> the little stuff. And it just keeps squeezing out the important stuff. So I would make a suggestion for you this morning. Instead of trying to squeeze the important stuff in that we know ought to be there, but we just don't have the time, what if, what if we started with the big stuff? What if I put my relationship with God at the top of the list and started each day with Him? And then built the rest of that day and the rest of my life around that. And what if I made time for my friends and my family and gave time and attention to those relationships and I made that a priority and I made sure that was taken care of first and then filled up my time with the little stuff around it. And what if I really began to believe and act like this world is not my home and I know I have far more that I could possibly use in a lifetime. And instead of hoarding it and keeping it all to myself, I become generous and start giving. And then I learn to live on the rest. And what if I made my ministry, my mission, my purpose on this world a priority instead of an afterthought? And I said, this I will do, if nothing else. And then, built the rest of my life around it. And it's amazing how much better it fits. Same amount of time. Same amount of resources, same amount of energy, just reprioritized. Paul put it this way Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Make that your priority. Make his priorities your priorities. And then everything else you do, let it be around that. Jim Elliott, who was a missionary in the 60s with a couple of other guys who were trying to make inroads into a, into a tribe in South America that no one had ever reached, no one had ever talked to. And they wanted to bring the message of God's grace to this people. And, and, and so they, they actually made contact. 
um, they, they had a, a floating plane, seaplane. They put it down on the river and they made contact with this. The trouble was this was a very, very violent tribe. And they were killed, all four of them, late 60s. And not knowing ahead of time that that would happen, a few years before that, Jim Elliott said these words. He is no fool who would lose what he cannot keep to obtain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who would lose what he cannot keep to obtain what he cannot lose. Some good words of advice for all of us. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. 